The following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Ladies, gentlemen, clowns, penguins, villains, and would-be heroes of Gotham, welcome to the Gotham City Podcast. My name is Ian, I'm your host. Every Tuesday in the podcast, we'll review the episode of Gotham from the night before, talk about the characters we meet, where they come from, their part in this new imagining of the world of Batman, and any other news leading to the show as the season progresses. Folks, we're up to episode number six. And you know what? It doesn't seem to be slowing down, it just seems to be getting better and better. And it is one of those... Shows, you know what, it, it's starting to grow me more and more. I was already excited for the start of this show. I think on the other episodes, I've highlighted some of the things that I like and I don't like. And, you know, some of these things continue. But I kind of expected that because when they did their first run for this show, before they got the approval for the 22, they would have just done this as a block of, say, maybe 12 or 13, and then hoped that they were able to pick up the back nine based on the strength of the first couple of episodes and the numbers that they were doing. Uh, so, again, show's continuing this week. We've got an episode called Spirit of the Goat. So, before we get into talking about this week's episode, I just want to catch up a little bit, because uh, last night after episode 6 went out uh, for this, there was a Google Hangout Q&A, I think, with Mashable that was done, uh, interviewing uh, Robin Lord-Taylor. And so they, it was about a half an hour long, so they were taking Q&As over Google+, Plus, uh, something which is pretty cool and something I'm always pretty excited about, and I really enjoy them. I've done them myself on a couple other podcasts, and I've been part of them as fan, joining in on these kind of um, events that are always pretty cool. So when these things hang out, you should do your best to try and get on them and, and witness them live, because they're pretty cool. And so just a couple of points that were brought up was, he seems to be really excited by the return of uh, to Gotham of his character, the Penguin, and the fact that it happened so soon, it was really exciting to him. And one of the things that he addressed, which I thought was really cool, was that for the last while, there's a couple of days, a week or so, there's been sort of these rumours going around on the internet, and this absolutely incredibly, very detailed theory that was created by a fan. It was posted up on the uh, Gotham Reddit, so if you haven't checked it out, you really should. Uh, which was that perhaps the Penguin is actually a bit of a sidestep being thrown us in a curveball that it's actually really the Joker and it was like a huge amount of detail that went to this and when it was addressed and put to uh, to Robin he said you know he was an amazing theory he had no idea he doesn't think it's true uh, nothing's been confirmed so we can't even say like whether it is or it isn't or lean towards it not that he would I don't think um, but he was taken aback by the level of detail and effort put into the theory by the fans who created it and curated it um, so he just sort of a testament as the fans of his character in the show and the fans of the show as well talked a little bit about what's going on in episode 5 he says that he loves playing the character because it's not a traditional two dimensional villain and you know what I think he actually seems to understand like the point that I keep making on this podcast is that you know villains don't wake up one morning and decide they're going to be villains. They're a victim of their circumstance and they're a part of a fracturing of someone's humanity. And he says he loves the idea of the humanity that's there. And I think it's really cool that he gets this. And I think it's really important because, again, it stops it being uh, this sort of cartoony uh, version of a villain, which um, some people sort of unfairly blame and say, like, hey, the Bill Dozier villains uh, from the Batman uh, TV series um, that was done with Adam West, Burt. Um, 
per award. Uh, I think it's kind of unfair because you need to remember that that show is sort of a a circumstance of its time. It wasn't being done as a as a uh, sort of a real representation of Batman. This was a version of Batman for TV for that time, and it's very much a a product of its time as well. So you know, there's no real other news I want to get into this week. So let's get on and talk about uh, the things in the show. And, you know, this week's episode, I have to say that um, I want to get into things that I like and the things that I don't like. And, you know, uh, let's just get into the things that, um, you know, I really haven't been enjoying the constant interjection of Edward Nygma and his riddles. You know, I still don't like them. But the episode this week I thought was great because it looks at the heart and humanity of Edward Nygma with his own sort of workplace crush. Um, and I thought, you know, it was a better look at the possible breaking of a man uh, and his frustrations with his peers um, and where he, he perceives like why is everyone else's seem to be able to get ahead and get respect and these people are less intelligent than him and again I always like these things because it shows the fracturing of the humanity you know as humans we have ego we have drive we have wants and needs and and loves and hopes and fears and how do you actually it's easy to show how you create a superhero because it's always easy you know put them in the face of adversity and watch them triumph you know the natural human evolution and the human disposition towards uh, adversity you know improvise overcome adapt and so on and for superheroes it's actually just the breaking down of all these things um to where there is actually nowhere left for them to go and there's a feeling of you know what i'm at this point i may as well stay there or maybe there's a point of um just ignorance of the fact that this has actually happened and a lack of self-acknowledgement that their humanity has been put at, put at, at risk. Um, so again, really good that they showed this frack, this this side of the character, as opposed to just these ridiculous riddle scenes that come up. You know, they aren't even riddles, and they just seem terrible. And it's like, stop reminding us who he is. We know who the frick he is. You don't need to keep doing this. Now, one thing that I'm really happy about this week is we have got a, an episode this week which has no Fish Mooney Maroney power struggle BS going into it. Um, and look, I understand that needs to be there because you need to show that the fight for Gotham's soul is on still amidst all of this. But you know what? It's getting tired just having it being there week in, week out. It's a week of water for everyone who's listening to the show. Um, but you know, it's really, really important that we the show doesn't rely on this too heavily. And I'm glad to see that like, they managed to just break this uh, for a little bit. Just to sort of show us something else. Show us a little bit more. Show us that this show is about more. Um, so I was really happy to see that. You know, that's no way a slate on uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. It's no way a slate on that character. Although I think there's interesting things to come from that character. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have that this week. Really, really cool. Now, this week's episode highlights something that I really, really enjoyed, which was what makes a Bullock, what makes a Harvey Bullock. And it was great to have a good look under the hood of what Harvey Bullock once was and how he became the slovenly, lackadaisical cynic that Gordon branded him. Again, I, I keep coming to this, you know, no one arrives at, the, you come to these points in the story where this car, where you've got this guy, Bullock, who no longer really gives a damn about anything that's going on. He's like, you know what, I can't make change, so I'm going to make nice rather than make waves. And he didn't just like come into the police force straight away and decide that something happened that pushed him to that. So we get to have a look at the case that actually sort of almost tipped him over the edge. And, you know, I'm a stern defender of, you know, the bad guy doesn't just wake up and is one when they wake up one morning. People are the sum of their parts, they're the sum of their experiences. And Bullock had to have been someone who once gave a damn before we get to the current points of the character. So what caused him to change into the slovenly, lackadaisical cynic? 
And uh, this episode, I thought, was a really, really solid exposition of that. Um, I really like the story about the idea of a of a serial killer. Uh, and it was kind of really cool because it was actually kind of in the same vein as like uh, maybe Seven a little bit. There was a couple of shades of that thrown in there uh, without sort of ripping it straight off. There was a couple of different um, playbooks they actually pulled straight out of for this, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, what? I love the fact that this came into the whole thing that this was a story that took you on twists and turns. It took you through different narratives. It, you thought you were going one way with it. It took you another. And I liked where this story finished. And I loved where the end, like where the real mastermind was. You know, there was no bullshit magic powers of reincarnation. It was straight to good old-fashioned um, storytelling and taking people on that journey and taking them through the misdirections. Uh, it was really, really cool. It was presented lovely. And I don't care that it, you know, it didn't rip straight out of a, an episode of CSI. Um, I loved the twist in it. I, I didn't feel insulted when I joined the dots at the same time that Bullock did. Despite the fact that earlier on there was a... When you go back and watch it again, you can go, okay, well, hang on. that's You knew where that was coming. And it kind of drew the line for you. And you know what, I am actually a big fan of this as a, as a, as a storytelling device, is where you actually learn things at the same time as um, the person on the screen and the character on the screen. I think it's really cool, and you learn at the same rate as them, because there's nothing worse than being taken on a story where you know more than the, uh, than the character for this particular scenario. And it's because you are aware of things that they can't see. I think it's really lazy. And I think it's like, hey, um, I'm going to show you how to join these dots. Despite the fact that they're numbered to take you on the journey to them. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. It was so, so good. You know, I never like knowing more than the character does. Because it turns into one of those scary movie moments. And anyone who's watched those uh, those parody movies where you see something happen. Um, you also get to the point where you're almost yelling at the screen going, look out, he's behind you! And you, um, It takes you back to sort of pantomime days if you're a kid and going to see pantomimes. Um, again, really, really cool. Now, one of the things I love about this episode is, you know, you knew the lie that Gordon told about killing Cobblepot was going to come back like a bad rash. It, and it came back full-on plague form uh, on Jim Gordon this week. And you just know at the end of the episode, this is going to get messy. And the next week episode, I'm looking so forward to the opening gambit of that. Um, it is not going to end pretty for Jim Gordon at all. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where, you could, look, you know he's not going to get killed off as a result of this. Uh, you know that this character is in it for the long haul. If you're familiar with the character, familiar with the universe, it's not going to happen. They're not going to disappear down that road, but bad things are about to happen for Jim Gordon and I'm really digging it and it sort of makes it really really cool to sit there and watch and to sit there and be a part of um, and I enjoy that because you know what that is what there's nothing better than seeing a good guy who does something uh, which is eating away with him and then having it come back and just literally rip him out of his elements of of discomfort and just like literally throw him from the frying pan straight into the fire and then just anchor him down into it it's going to be brilliant to watch and i can't wait for next week's episode as a result um so they're the things that i think went really well for this week's episode which is really really cool now things that did not go so well that i really disliked about this week's episode um you know selena kyle breaking into wayne manor 
what the ever-loving hell was the point of this scene doing here? You know, it doesn't tell anything. It doesn't help tell anything additional to the story. And it just seems like a filler scene for the sake of, you know. People who are familiar with the Batman movie, you know, Anne Hathaway's character in, in playing Selina Kyle invading um, Wayne Manor and stealing stuff. I really, really didn't like that. You know, it was filler for no reason. And to me, it's just really poor, lazy writing. You know, and there's a finite amount of TV time that these shows actually get. And I'm always one that's like, hey, make the time count. I don't care that in the future, she and Bruce Wayne will form a bond in a relationship that will carry on for years to come. And that's something that Bruno Heller, um, one of the producers of the show, actually turned around and said... But I don't need, and we don't need as an audience, to see this right now. Stop trying to give us everything at at once. This is like going on a first date and the other person stripping off within seconds, making bed eyes. It's not cool. You know, take us on that journey. Stop trying to uh, wear us down early on. You know, have a bit of confidence that this show is going to last a couple of seasons. Stop trying to cram it all in at once. Um really didn't like it and I hate when people do that I just think it's like it's it shows a lack of confidence in your show it shows a lack of confidence in your content and it shows a lack of confidence in your ability to take people on a journey and that you have a dependency where you need to go and constantly tag the fanboys and hope that they're going to help keep carrying it no the fanboys are the minority I hate to say this the majority of people you're trying to hit with this show are not necessarily fanboys because they're not going to give you your numbers it is always going to be the new people you're taking into this show who feel like hey you're giving them a glimpse into the world of Batman without requiring them to go and do some homework and become like a Bat fan Uh, very cool now one of the things I didn't like in this show and this episode was, and only because it was creepy, was, you know, Cobblepot's mom washing him in the tub was just all kinds of wrong. I mean, did we really need to be put through this? I mean, Jesus, my eyes, my eyes have been burned out of my skull with this one. Um, it's an image I did not want to see, I did not need to see, and oh my god, just, okay, I'll never do this again. Don't put this creepy bullshit in here. Um, kind of has all those shades of anyone who watches TNA wrestling, the Samuel Shaw character in the past, where the fans in the audience would actually be yelling, creepy bastard, and just constantly like screaming that at the dude over and over again. Uh, and this was just creepy. Okay, uh, I really didn't like it. Now... Uh, Yeah, never do that again. Never give me scenes like that. Never give me scenes where I'm left squirming in my seat because something is just gross and, like, utterly indecent. I don't mind squirming in my seat for something which is, um, you know, where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to kill the dude this way. But, you know, putting something like that, which is, like, borderline incestuous, like, or the implications of it are, it's like, fuck. Don't need to say it. Don't want to know about it. Um, Look, here's the thing. The last thing I want to talk about that I think just really freaking grinds my gears with this is they have a major crimes unit in this story. And if you're going to have a major crimes unit, you would hope to Jesus that it was going to be a competent one. And you should definitely be pitching it as such. I mean, are you going to tell me that when Toya discovers that there's a dockside witness, they didn't ask for every single detail, especially since this guy was using field glasses? It's just thoughtless, lazy writing, which is just driving me nuts. It's just like um, trying to like just join the dots to the end really quickly, um, just for the sake of. And it's 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 messy and horrible and it's terrible. And 
I don't like it, and I, and I think it's insulting to people. Um, I think it's insulting people's intelligence um, when you're trying to say that this is a crime drama, and it is a drama, and for dramas never insult people. This isn't like days of our lives, for God's sake. This is something which you're trying to treat with a tiny bit of seriousness and a tiny bit of gravitas. So, you know, at least have this and give that courtesy and respect back, because that's what you're actually asking people to buy into this as. Um, and I think it's important. It's part of a very good tool for telling stories, and I think it's a it's a very important thing to try and do. Um, you know what? I just want to get into. Let's just round out this episode in terms of talking about it. You know, spreading the stories in here. You know, to get away from like the crime lord war narrative. You know, this is needed for this. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very straight up played. Um, I liked the fact that in the end, it didn't turn out to be like a stupid green drug deformed people's faces that it was literally just down to um you know the hypnotist in terms of just starting to screw with people uh and i really like that you know what and i find defended in the past like we've just been avalanched with the whole crime boss war thing and it was just dragging things down and you know i think this was reflected in the viewing numbers drop as well in terms of like up to this week the way the way uh, the numbers sort of dropped off a little bit and I like when they pull out these kind of stories, such as, you know, Spirit of the Goat, where you get these stories which are actually police crime stuff. And you know, if it's not that far-fetched. Um, and I don't think it, it's... It's not like like the previous week where the, peep, the guy, the deformed face, took the drug and uh, burned through all the freaking calcium in their body and the rest of his result. You know, that's far-fetched. And again, came into that stupid, stupid like, Star Trek-type logic for things, which I'm never really a fan of. Um... And I like when shows strip back the whole thing of the character ensembles to focus on some character development. You know, I'm such a, a very big believer of you can't know where you're going until you understand where you've been. And when you try to understand the characters can or cannot be redeemed through their arcs, you need to see what got them to this point on the ride in an intelligent, non-wavy line, flashbacky type moment scenario. So it's good to have a look at one of the things. That, you know, we'll have to have a look and see. Because there is going to come a point in this where... Um, Basically, Harvey Bullock is going to have to have a change in character, and it's going to be because Jim Gordon being there is going to rub off on him. And it's going to be when, if you think about it, if you hang around with someone who's incredibly negative, you find your own sort of views and your own take on things sort of starting to reflect them, and it starts to change where in your personality. When you have someone around you who's incredibly optimistic, incredibly positive, you start to find that gradually over time this starts to uh, impact on your own view of things, and it starts to change you for the best as well. And again, this is what's going to happen as part of these partnerships. And it's something that that is, uh, you know, again, very, very simple character storytelling, character development. And understanding and seeing something and seeing a point in time where, you know, Gordon was a good guy. He was a good cop. He cared. He gave a damn. And when you see this case come back up and you see that even in this point, when this sort of little fragment from his past comes up, you can see how much it irks him, how much it hurts him that this is back again and this shouldn't be happening again. And it frustrates him. So you can see that, look, there is a, there is a good guy in there. And you, all it's going to take is something which is actually sort of going to pull him out of that funk. And that thing which is going to pull him out of that funk is going to be the, the eventual influence that Jim Gordon, as a character, is going to exert on that. And it is, it's going to be great when you see that. And it's not going to be like this immediate, like where he basically throws off the masks and goes, ta-da, it was me. You're going to see this as sort of like the peeling of an onion where you start seeing the layers getting taken away. And it coming back to like what the ultimate core of that character was going to be and how that character is going to have to redevelop. Um, and it, it almost becomes like a, uh, 
like a real come to Jesus moment for the character. So it's going to be very, very cool. I would love to know what people thought about this episode. Of course, you can always send us feedback to um, our Twitter account, or you can send an email into the show. Send it to um, GothamCityPodcast.gmail.com. And you know what, folks? That is going to do us for this week. These episodes are going to start being stripped back an awful lot more. I don't want to sort of start an analyzing scene by scene of these shows. Um, because you know what we I want to do is I want to talk about the things in the show that actually matter to me and the things that I really like, which allows me to sort of have a look at the core of it and how the stories are developing and how these characters and where they're going and everything else because I think it's a far more intelligent way um, to look at Gotham and I, look I don't think Gotham is unintelligent I don't think that it's um, excessively highbrow either I think there's a really lovely happy medium between um, it having a little bit of intelligence and having entertainment as well because ultimately like really it's a TV show it's entertainment. Um, so, Bat fans, Gothamites, I really want to thank you for yet again lending me your ears for this episode of Gotham City Podcast. We'll be back next week with another light to shine into the darkness of Gotham. Again, you can always check out the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Gotham City Pod. And we like to use the hashtag hash hope number four Gotham, all one word. You can always check out the site for news at the TV series GothamCityPodcast.com. And as always, make sure you check out the Reddit thread, which is reddit.com forward slash or forward slash Gotham. So until next week, let there be light for Gotham. Where there once was the sound of laughter Now resides a cold air Where there once sang a thousand voices Lies a graveyard Broken hearts, dreams and prayers. Take a good look. This is who we are. What we.